The gospel reading is from Matthew chapter 14. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about five thousand men, besides women and children. This is the gospel. You may be seated. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, this is a big week for a lot of families, either last week or this week or coming up soon. School is back in session, and uh, it's no different for our family. A little bit different this year, though, because our oldest, Marshall, is headed out to California to go into a music ministry at Concordia University out there. So he and I are taking the long drive on Thursday, driving out 32 hours to get out to California. Um, But before we left, I said, hey, Marshall, can you do me a favor? Can you lead worship for me this week? Because I'm preaching, and uh, you're going to be gone. So I'm really glad that he's able to do the leading this morning. As we take this long drive, I'm sure I'm going to see some amazing things. And as the main driver for our family, we've taken a number of trips the last last 12 to 16 months, Long, long family trips, And my wife and my four kids, inevitably, as we're taking these trips, they will get lost in doing something in the back. They'll be watching a DVD or reading a book or a magazine or maybe playing on their phone or on their gaming system. And I will have an amazing view. Some some amazing view will come into scene through the windshield. And I'll have to say, hey, everybody, stop what you're doing. Put down the book. Stop the movie. I want you to see this scene. Now, most of the time they'll listen to me and they'll stop what they're doing and, and, and take a look at it. Every once in a while they'll say, Dad, I'm really into the movie. I don't want to stop it right now. Or, yeah, we've seen it all before. We know it's the third largest ball of twine in Nebraska. We've, you know, but no, this time they stop and they look and oftentimes they say, wow, I'm really glad that I raised my eyes and I saw this really incredible sight. Well, I tell you that story to kind of give you an understanding of what we're trying to do in this sermon series that we're beginning that Marshall uh, introduced entitled Greater. We're trying to raise our eyes as God's people and as a congregation to see God for who he really is and see that he is so much greater than we could ever imagine. Stephen Curtis Chapman had a song a few years back entitled Wake Up and See the Glory. 
And, and he, he kind of put it like this, because he was, he was having the same prayer, the same hope in his life, that he would see God for all, in all of his glory. And, and Stephen Curtis Chapman said, sometimes it's like I'm playing Game Boy standing in the middle of the Grand Canyon. Or it's like I'm eating candy and I'm sitting at a gourmet feast. Or it's like I'm wading in a puddle when I could be swimming in the ocean. And his prayer is that the Lord would help him to wake up and see the glory. And that's our hope as well. And this first week, we're, we're talking about the church and to see how great our God is through his ministry, through the church. And when we see God for who he is, what do we see? We see Jesus. We see Jesus because that's all we have. And that's enough. There was a book a few years back by a neurologist. His name was um, Sachs. It was Oliver Sachs. And Oliver tells the story of a man named Virgil. And Virgil was born without sight. He couldn't see. But through an operation, through an amazing surgery, Oliver was given the gift of sight. But what Oliver and Dr. Sachs soon found out is that just because you have the, the gift of sight, it doesn't mean that you can actually see. You see, Oliver all of a sudden had these images in his brain of light and shapes and movement. But Oliver was unable to process what all of those lights and shapes and movement meant. And what Dr. Sachs found out is that Oliver continued to live as a blind person with the ability to see. And what Dr. Sachs realized is that Oliver needed to put to death the life of a blind man so that he could rise again to the life of someone with sight. And I think in our lives as Christians and as the church, we need a new identity an identity that, that puts aside the old, the sinful nature, that we might rise again to new life and be given the eyes of faith to see our God for who he really is. And in that process, we also get to see ourselves for who we truly are. You see, our identity as people of God, as the body of Christ, as his church, is the most important identity that we have. Child of God. And so is that why you come to church? To be instructed in what it means to be a child of God, to learn more about our true identity as his people, and to learn more about who God is and what he has for us. So why are you here? Why do you come to church? We could ask the same question, why were they there, of the 5,000 plus people in our story today, and Jesus feeding of the 5,000. In Matthew chapter 14, it tells the story, and it begins with, with uh, Matthew saying, upon hearing this, Jesus decided to go to a remote place. And so you have to ask the question, upon hearing what? And so you go back a little bit, and you find out that Jesus had just been told about John the Baptist and the death of John the Baptist. John was an evangelist that the people of that day knew. He was a really fiery preacher out in the desert. And 
they also knew that Jesus was connected to him. See, Jesus was actually a relative of, of John. And Jesus had found out that John had been executed. And when Jesus hears this news, he has to retreat. He wants to get away. So he gets in a boat and he goes to a desolate location. But when he arrives there, it turns out that the crowd knew that he was trying to get away and they wanted to follow him and be where he was. And so we wonder, what did they want? What were they trying to find out? What did they need from Jesus? Maybe they had found out that John had been executed as well. So maybe they were going there to ask Jesus, what do we do now? Now John's gone. What are we supposed to do? Maybe they were upset. Maybe they were in mourning. One of their teachers, this prophet, had been, had been killed. Maybe they just were continuing on in their journey of faith. Now that John's gone, well, let's just follow Jesus and see what he has to say. We don't know why those people went. The disciples were there as well. And when they get there, it's evening. As it, as it gets towards evening, the disciples decide that they need to send the people away because they're going to need something. They're going to need some food. And the disciples realize the only thing that's here is Jesus. That's all we have. We have Jesus. And so they say, Jesus, we've got to send them somewhere else to get some food because you're the only thing that's here. There's no food truck. There's no McDonald's. There's no catering. What are we going to do? Jesus is all they've got. And would he be enough? Now, we don't know why the people showed up. But we know that people were drawn to Jesus for all kinds of reasons. People were coming from all around to meet him. We may not know why they were there, but we do know what they find when they encounter Jesus. It says that, first of all, in, in verse 14, that, that Jesus had compassion on the people. And I think this is kind of interesting because Jesus has just heard about John, his close friend, his relative who's been killed, and he wants to get away, presumably to, to, to mourn the loss of a friend. He's not going to be able to see him anymore in this life. And, and understand, Jesus mourns with full understanding. Jesus understands that John is, is with the Father in heaven, but I think, I think Jesus mourns the reality of death in the world. And that's why Jesus came into the world, realized to overturn the effects of sin, to overturn death. But death is still a reality for all of us. And even for Jesus, this, this friend of his, John, has been taken from this world. And I think Jesus is in somewhat of a state of mourning. But it says that he had compassion on them. Jesus looks out at the crowd and there's this huge group of people. And it says he had compassion. The people find compassion. This is such a hallmark of Jesus and his ministry. It says multiple times in the scriptures that Jesus looked on the people and he had compassion, like, like a shepherd. We just had a three nights of friendship Bible camp here, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And our theme was God loves us and so that we can love others. But we focused on the fact that our God has, has such compassion like a shepherd has for his sheep. This is a hallmark of Jesus and his ministry. And we see it again here. His friend dies, and here Jesus is having compassion on the people. So they find compassion from Jesus. Secondly, it says later on in that same verse that he healed their sick. So Jesus brings healing into the lives of these sick people. And this is all that Matthew talks about it. If I was the writer, if I was Matthew and I was recording this, I probably would have spent a little more time 
about the healings. I mean, think about the lives of these people. They were completely changed through this. Blind people seeing and, and deaf people hearing and, and lame people being able to walk. I mean, if you're an author, to just gloss over, oh, Jesus healed some people. He healed their sick. I would have said, this, this one guy, he was crippled and then Jesus healed him and he stood up and he started to dance. And this blind person was able to go around and see his parents for the first time. But it just says that, that Jesus healed them. But Matthew focuses on this third thing that they find. They find feeding. It says that the disciples realized that it was getting late, that people were probably getting hungry. And sometimes you'll read a Bible story and you'll see yourself in the story. And this is me in this place. I see myself in the disciples because I'm always trying to think three steps ahead. What are we going to do after the thing, after we do that thing, and then what are we going to do after that? So the disciples are probably looking at their sundials saying, Jesus, it's getting late. There's no food here. All there is here is, is you. We didn't bring any food. We don't have anything to give these people. And they realize out of compassion, we don't want them to go hungry. So Jesus, let's send them home. But what Jesus does next is he reveals an amazing truth for us today about him and his ministry. Because when you have Jesus, you have enough. Jesus says, what do you got? And they say, well, I mean, there's all these people. We've got five loaves and two fish, but that's all we have. And Jesus says, bring it to me. And, and tell the people to come to me and get into certain groups. And then what Jesus does next is he gives them their most basic need, their most basic necessity, and he supplies for them. Jesus takes care of his people here. And, and it's in the grand scope of things, the people got hungry a few hours later. It's not like he cured their hunger forever. But in the most basic way, Matthew shows that Jesus is there to provide for his people. And I wonder, now there were 5,000 men. So if you think of their wives and women and, and the children, there was 20,000 plus people probably in this gathering. So imagine the Klipsch Center, the, the amphitheater out in Noblesville, filled with people. And Jesus tells the people to get into groups, and then he starts to feed them. Did they even catch what was going on? Did they even notice that Jesus was multiplying food? Could they hear from a distance? All they knew is that all of a sudden, hey, we've got food. I was getting hungry. I was wondering what we were going to eat. And now the disciples, they're, they're giving us food and we've got it. Did they understand that Jesus was taking care of their most basic needs or did it just kind of go right over their heads? We know that they found compassion, healing, and feeding. So I ask you again, why do you come here to church? What's the purpose? Jesus draws all kinds of people for all kinds of reasons. And he draws us together to find our identity, to find our connection in the body of Christ, to find our connection to to one another seated here in these pews and, and to the people in the sanctuary in Fishers and downtown and to people all over the world, Christians gathered together to meet Jesus. 
and we find connection with one another. We find our identity as children of God. And just like that first crowd, those 5,000 plus people, we find compassion. We find a God who knows us, who knows our hearts, who looks at each one of us and knows what we're going through and says, I'm with you. And I know what you're going through. Actually, when Jesus went to the cross, he bore all of our shame, all of our pain, all of our sins, all of our hurt. He took it all upon himself. And we receive that compassion from him to know that, that our God knows what we're going through. And he also puts us together with other believers that we might share that compassion with one another. We've, we've been through a few funerals here as a congregation lately. And and I'm amazed to see how God's people gather around one another to just cry with each other and, and, and let each other know that you're not alone. We're with you going through this. As the writer of Hebrews says, let us not give up meeting together, but let us join together in, in spurring one another on and in, in comforting one another. We find compassion, but we also find healing. Our brokenness, our broken lives because of sin are taken by Jesus Christ who was broken himself but raised again on the third day to show us that sin has been defeated. We have been given a new life, life that's been revealed through his word to each one of us. We are, we are given a fresh start. We are healed he is healing us of our spiritual blindness. He has given us now the eyes of faith that we might be able to see him as he truly is, a God of love and grace. And finally, we're given feeding. And I think sometimes like that crowd, I don't know for sure, but I, I think some of them missed what was going on. And I, I think in our own lives of faith, we can go through the motions of church and not wake up and see what God is doing even right now among us as his word is read and, and preached and sung, as, as he comes to feed us in the most basic of ways through bread and through wine, that he is nourishing us each and every day, that he is giving us himself and giving us that assurance that, that we have been accepted by our God and that there is nothing that can separate us from his love. Our God is at work. He is at work doing greater things in his church as he comes to us through his word. And he sends us out. As he reveals life to us, he, he says also that he wants to reveal life through us. As, as we go out as his church to reveal to the world greater things, as he uses us, his people, to be his agents, to love our neighbors as ourselves, to, to be his hands and his feet. And it doesn't mean that you have to be an evangelist and you have to go out and preach a, 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 a sermon of, of conversion. It simply means going out and, and just walking with Jesus on this journey of, of being in people's lives. The good news is Jesus is already working in your neighborhood. You don't have to do anything special. Jesus asked us, like he asked those first disciples, what do you got? And we say, well, we don't have very much. Jesus says, bring to me what you have. 
and I'll multiply it. And I will use it to take care of the people. And in, in his book, Joining Jesus, Pastor Finke says that, that Jesus is already messing with people. We don't have to take Jesus to people. Jesus is already there. We just have to come alongside and see what he's doing and just be there. We use our ear to listen when somebody has something to share. And we, we cry with them if they have something to cry about. And, and we bring them to all we have. All we have in the church is Jesus. And he's enough. He's not only enough, he's more than we could ever expect. He is greater. Amen.